to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Amen. Well, friends, can I ask you that question too? What are you really expecting today? You know, uh, I had the um, privilege of uh, conducting two funerals within a week. Uh, one was a one was a 48-year-old uh, person, uh, a lady, um, and another was a 20, 21-week-old baby. And they were both fairly uh, difficult funerals to conduct. But, you know, I've, I've been talking to my wife and several others about, about it. And a, a stark difference that I observed in these two funerals was the tremendous presence of the Lord. Um, God was just present there in a strong, in a strong way. There was His peace. There was His, there was His comfort. Now I've done m- many other funerals and memorial services, but this, by far, these two, really displayed a real strong sense of the presence of God. Nothing of my doing or anything like that. It was just purely God just coming and invading, invading us. And and you know. I'm believing the same thing for us at this point in time. Wherever we are, in your homes, even right here, we can sense the presence of God. You know what? All it all it requires, friends, is this: that we that that we are obedient to Him and that we show up when God says. And He He wants to He wants to to make His presence felt amongst us. And I I, I want to put this before us this morning because Pentecost Sunday is is really about the tangible presence of the Lord. You know, God came and and you know in a very powerful way as as we started the service, we said there were two things that the disciples did. Or the the 120, you know, they tarried and they waited and under under instructions from the Lord. And as they waited, they 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 were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go through those uh, passages of of Scripture. But I want to I want to touch on a on a very interesting parable this morning as we as we also begin our our series on on the parables over the next couple of months we're going to be introducing uh, some of the parables and today I want to I want to speak to us this morning and tie that context of Pentecost in to the parable on the new wine in old wine skin you know new cloth over overall cloth so as we look at those passages of scripture you know the parables of Jesus they make up a, a they they make up a, a crucial part of the bible really you know Jesus had the wisdom to simplify the profound spiritual truths that he needed to share with uh, with, with with humanity as such and um and he shared it in the form of relatable, relatable stories that are quite easy to understand. And if you look through several of the uh, synoptic gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark and Luke, you find so many of those parables that he just relates to those, those stories. You know, uh, a parable is, a, is actually a tale. It's a it's a simple tale. It's a it's 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 simple. It's a it's a common subject to illustrate really a deeper, valuable moral lesson. Some put it this way: it's an earthly story of a heavenly principle, right? The source definition of the word parable it actually means a placement side by side for the purpose of comparison. So it's comparing one aspect to the other, right? Sometimes the gospel authors they 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 begin a parable with 
with this analogy, right? And, and you're familiar with this. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. That you find that in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Or Jesus may provide an example from everyday life, for instance, right? To convey spiritual truth, such as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And wh what does that emphasize? It emphasizes mercy, right? A uh, uh, strong sense of compassion. The parable of the friend at midnight to show the persistence in prayer. You know, are we going to be persistent in prayer? Are we at a season that God is calling us to be persistent in that? You know, and that's something that we've got to uh, we've 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 got to consider. So we're we're believing that as we begin to to um, uh, re re-look re at the parables through this next few months. Man, it's going to bring some valuable truth. Truth that we have probably just skimmed over as we've, as we've read. So, today, I want to I touch on the new wine. For there is new wine, there is new power. We know that song, right? For there is new wine, there is new power. So, what is this new wine in old wine skins? And in... And, uh, in in Luke chapter 5, verse 36, right through 39, it says this. If you can turn with me. And he was also willing, uh, sorry, he was also telling them a parable. But no one tears a, play, a piece of cloth from a new garment and puts it on the old garment. Otherwise, he will both tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. So, and no one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, wine will burst from the skins and it will be spilled out. And the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wine skins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wishes for the new. For he says, the old is good enough. Isn't it true? If you drink some wine from 1950 or 1970 or whatever, they say it's way more expensive to buy wine that is a whole lot older because it's supposed to taste a whole lot, a whole lot nicer. Um, so Luke chapter 5 verse 36, it, it, it brings this aspect out. So what, what is the reference of these two parables that we hear about cloths, new cloth over old cloths? Right, uh, new wine into old wine, old wine skins. So, uh, let, let me give let me give you a little bit of background here. The reference here it is it is quite straightforward. It 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 means this, right? Many cultures where you find that cloth, it actually shrinks when it is washed, right? Uh, I don't know whether you've had uh, clothes that you that you've bought. Uh, you've gone there, you've worn it, and man, it fits really nice and all of that. And then you put it into the washer and, you know, you put it into the dryer. And the next thing you suddenly feel, man, you've become Hulk. And that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that looks like uh, something for a little baby probably. So it, is, it has shrunk like crazy, right? So you know what I do? I always buy double XL because I take into consideration that it's going to shrink because, you know, I'm not XL. I'm actually large. 
right? So double XL now shrinks to shrinks to shrinks to large, and 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 that's. Uh, I leave it to you whether you think that's the truth or not, uh, <laughs> right? And uh, so when you so so when you put un pre-washed, when you put a piece of unpre-washed material onto a garment that is already shrunk, when it was washed, it will itself shrink and then tear a hole. Right? So that's fairly straightforward. Now, partially fermented wine was stored in wine skins, but as the fermentation process continued, it produced more gases. So, the stretched wine, screen, uh, wine skin, which was made from the hide of a lamb, Right, it it needs to be malleable. It needs to be stretchable. So an old wine skin was no longer elastic and could not stretch for this new wine. So you needed to use new skins for the current year's wine production. Right now, you know the the Jews or the, the, the Israelites, you know, they used every part of the lamb when they, when they would slaughter or sacrifice the lamb, they would use every part of it. The meat was used and everything was, you know, the, the, the fur was used to make clothes. The skin then was used to create these, uh, these vats as such to be able to hold the wine. So it would, what they would do, they would dry it, then they would sew it up and, and it would take on the shape of the, of, of, of the lamb in a sense. And where the head was, was the opening for them to pour the wine into it and then they would stitch that and they would and they would keep that right so new wine into new wine skins now often these these parables are viewed from a standpoint of uh, structure structures sometimes right so uh, but i'd like to i, I i'd like to probably provide a, a, a different premise altogether about that. I want to I give an insight into it being a vessel, into us being the vessel. So you and I, or the disciples, the Pharisees, when Jesus was relaying this parable to, was relaying it directly to them, not talking about church structures, not talking about denominational structures, not talking about, you know, um, uh, particular re reformed aspects, but talking about you and I. We, the vessel in itself, right? So, uh, if, if the parable is not about new, new structures, then what is it about? So, let me, let me share an, an, an intriguing insight here that comes from the teaching of Elisha ben Abuya. A new, a near contemporary of Jesus, as was recorded in one of the uh, uh, Jewish books, the Talmud, right? He who studied, he who studies as a child, onto what can he be compared? He who studies as a child, onto what can he be compared? He can be compared to ink written upon fresh new sheet of paper. But he who studies as an adult, unto what can he be compared? He can be compared to ink writ written on a smudged, previously used and erased sheet of paper. So Rabbi Yose ben Yehuda of the city of Babylon said this, He who learns from the young, unto what can he be compared? He can be compared to one who eats unripe grapes and drinks unfermented wine from his vats. 
But he who learns from the old, unto what can he be compared? He can be compared to one who eats ripe grapes and drinks old wine. Do not pay attention to the container, but pay attention to that which is in it. There is a new container full of old wine. And here is an old container which does not even contain new wine. So this is what it somehow offers a, a striking parallel to this, par to this parable. Right? And, and Matthew's accounts puts it this way. He comments about the treasures of old and of new. And it makes, it makes common sense as well, in a sense that when, 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 you, look, when you look at that, after all, what, what's the function of the container, right? So what functions as the container for Jesus when Jesus was teaching was not the religious structure. He wasn't, he wasn't having a go at the religious structure. He was actually speaking to the people. He was speaking to the Pharisees. He was talking to them. He was talking to the disciples as well. In other words, the parable is not just, it's, it's not just about creating new structures. Okay, now let's, let's create now maybe a, 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 a new structure in order to um, uh, embrace this new move or what's, or what's happening right now. No, it's not about that. It's about us. It's about, it's, it's about this vessel. Because over time, even we become rigid and we become that structure. So how do we continue to remain malleable, soft, supple, right? That's, that's, that's the key aspect. That's what, you know, I feel this new wine into old wine, old wine skin is. If you feel old wine, I mean, I feel like an, I, I'm, I'm aged. So I feel like I'm old wine and I, I taste good, right? And most of us who are older, we feel that, right? We're not ready to go to the pasture somewhere. I mean, we've got so much, so much to give. You know, yesterday I was, I was, I was speaking to someone, a, a mid-20-year-old chap. No, David, David Delphin, yeah, who was sitting here. Yes, I was, I was speaking to him. I said, you know, hey, oh, I'll be turning 60 this year. He says, oh, man, you look good for 60. I said, yes, and I even helped carry this couch. What do you, what do you reckon, man? You know, so, so you, you know, the, the older you get, the better you look, the better you feel, the wiser you get. So, friends, if you're watching, if you're older, hey, that's good news. If we are all wineskin, I've got something to share with you right now that's going to help you. Amen. That's going to help you and I come into a place of feeling supple and feeling really excited about the fact that he's going to pour this new wine into us. Right. And it's, and it's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So let me let me continue to to share a little bit more uh, with us this this morning. Right. People who are willing to receive the teaching about what God is doing now, present truth. This is what it is. This is, this is that new one. We don't necessarily need to scrap the patterns created in response to the earlier teaching. Though we might be interested in reforming that. And that's what's important. What, what can we reform, you know, in some of the things that we've learned in the past, right? Much more important is whether we and individuals are willing to listen to this teaching 
and how are we going to steward this? How are we going to steward the traditions? Because they're not bad. Traditions are not bad. But how are we going to steward the traditions that we have received with, and hear this, three things, with flexibility, compassion, and grace. Flexibility, compassion, and grace. And this is what the Pharisees lacked. And this is what Jesus was trying to speak to them about. So the wineskin is a type of vessel, right? Throughout scripture, we find vessels are symbols of people. For Christians, there is an old man and a new man, right? The old man represents the life we had before conversion. And the new man, the new vessel is the life that comes because of conversion, right? But if we take, if we take this expansive view and 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 this this whole dynamic aspect of the new wine and we attempt to put that into the old life we can be sure that we will have a disaster on our hands right we will so our old lives and our old ways are entirely incompatible to the new wine I want to say that again. Our old lives and our old ways are entirely incompatible with the new wine. The new wine requires change. It requires expansion and a steady improvement. While in the old life, there was no real desire or ability to change. Remember, the new wine is tied also to the blood of the Passover, the new covenant, the receiving of God's spirit. We had the Passover not too long ago. Now we are in Pentecost. So, the, the, the spiritual result that will be produced by these, by these powerful factors cannot be crammed, all of that, into a person who's unwilling to change, friends. Where does that leave you and I? Are we willing to change? Do we want to change? Do we crave for this, for this change? Are we in the upper room? In our isolation, what is happening? What change has taken place during this time? You know, the precious new wine will be spilled onto the ground regretfully if this old wine skin remains the old wine skin. But you know what? Friends, do you know how we begin to change the old wineskin? Because, you know, the old wineskin that, that's made out of, made out of lamb skin or goat skin, that's, that's leather. And leather lasts for a very long time, am I right? But leather can become rigid. And so how do you begin to restore that? You put it in oil. When you begin to put leather in oil, and when it is soaked in oil, it becomes supple. And it, it is tenderized. It becomes tender. It's, it's able to then now begin to now host the new wine. So as we put this in, in oil, and as it becomes supple, and as it becomes flexible, when you pour in the new wine into the old wine skin, friends, what happens is that you then now become supple enough to hold this new wine. 
right? You and I now come to a place where we can. So, so what does this, what does this oil now imply? How, how, how does this apply to us today? And, and, and how is this, how, how do we relate to this in the context of Pentecost Sunday, right? Today being Pentecost Sunday, friends, this is what it is. Let me put it to you this way. They waited on the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm going to read this passage of Scripture and I, I'm, and I want to share some things on my heart with you as, as, I, as we close our time, as I bring this to a conclusion. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4 and 7 and 12, it says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire, excuse me, the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Something profound, something phenomenal began to happen there. Right? Can you imagine here, 120 of them, they were waiting in this upper room. You know, some years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Israel. On a, on, a, on a Bible archaeology trip and we were taken up to the upper room and it was such, it wasn't a huge space, it was, a, it was smaller than the environment that we are even in. And 120 people crammed in there. Right? And just, just, just imagine that they waited and they tarried in that place. And in verse 7 it says this, they, they began to respond and, and they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and so on and so forth. As you read the, those passages of scripture in verses 9, uh, 10 and 11, right? And it says here, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. You see that on your screen, the mighty works of God. And in verse 12, it says this, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said this, they are filled with new wine. They were like drunk, some versions say. They are filled with new wine because th that can't be. So when you're filled with new wine, you don't just, you, you, you don't just talk. You, you talk slur in some sort of a slurry man. Man, I, I really wish if our other pastor was here, Kevin, he could really show us how uh, a drunk would really speak. I mean, he's just got it down pat. So, Kevin, wherever you are, you know, I'm sure you're doing that for me right now. But um, they would have been slurry, probably all of them, because for them to be able to even say that, and they were like drunk, some, th th there, was, there was sight. They saw something that was, that was very, very different, right? And I'm going to play you a little clip of, uh, of something that may have sounded like this. Amore, 
Amen, amen, amen. You know, I had the, the, the pleasure of recording this, in fact, just yesterday morning when I, when I bumped into some of our men having a Bible study, and I said, hey, there are so many of you from different... Uh, at uh, uh, different nations here. So we had Italian, we had Spanish, we had Afrikaans, we had Tamil, we had uh, obviously English. Um, I, I think that was, yeah, that was basically what was represented there. So imagine that, imagine on that Pentecost day when, when the Holy Spirit descended upon them and filled them and tongues of fire were, were upon them. Tongues of fire, and remember fire, came upon them in such a powerful way. They began to speak like this, and others began to understand. And in 1 Corinthians, it also says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. So sometimes, you know, we get, we, we get so knotted up with this, oh, you know, tongues needs to have uh, an ability for someone to understand that. No, because scripture does also say, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but it then continues to say, but if I, have love, but if I don't have love, then it's like a sounding gong, right? So it explains the aspect of the importance of doing this in love, not as some spiritual uh, heightened thing. Oh, now I am so spiritual. That's not it. That's not why God gave that to us. He gave it to us so that we could use it, so that not use it as such, so that we could be filled to a point where, where there will be a, a sense of courage, of boldness. Where as you begin, as you continue to read this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. So it doesn't eliminate Languages that cannot be understood. It does not. But what it brings to us is this, as you begin to read that passage of Scripture, it talks about 3,000 being added to that. That day when the church was birthed, there was such, there was such a huge um, coming into the kingdom of God. There was such a, a tremendous flow of, of, of people who believed because they saw a miraculous aspect. Friends, Pentecost is celebrating that aspect. Pentecost is celebrating the fact that despite me coming from a different ethnic group, though I may speak a different language, yet you are my brother, yet you are my sister, yet there was a sense of unity. The only thing that can bring unity in this world that we live in today is the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we need to tarry and wait for it. That's what we need to do. We need to tarry and we need to wait for it. It's, it's the strong sense of the Holy Spirit that will unite. Friends, I'm, I'm going to say something that, that probably is so fresh and some of us may not even be ready to hear it. And so I, I, I bring this from a sense of compassion and, 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 you know, I pray for the mercy of the Lord at this, at this point in time to come over us and particularly the families who are really hurting and struggling through this. We've all seen and probably heard of the passing and of the murder of, of um, 
George George Floyd, right? And I think his photo is gonna he's gonna come up. That's George Floyd. Just to just to give you perspective to that, right? A black man killed by a white police officer. Now, I'm not speaking about racism here or anything like that because that's that's not the intent. What I'm saying is this that in order for any of this to become something that is more of a of a historical aspect is for us to embrace the love of Christ, the love of Jesus, is for us to wait upon the Holy Spirit to come and invade. Not to be going out there and 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 obviously there's anger, there is there is so much of that going on. And and who am I to kind of even say that that shouldn't be happening? And th- and that's not where I'm coming from. What what I'm saying is is I'm looking at the situation and and I'm seeing because I know I come from a from a nation as well where uh, people like us, our races, we were we were put down. So 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 I know to some extent what it is. But friends, what we need far more on a day like this to remember what Jesus did when he told his disciples, go wait and tarry, for I will send the comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit baffled everyone. Didn't confuse them, but baffled them. Right? Showed them what he can now begin to do. Why do you think 3,000 people came to know Jesus and not to ransack, not to begin to go out and do demonstrations and show anger and all of that, whilst justifiable as it may seem? Again, I'm not speaking into that per se. What I'm speaking into is this, that there is a different way. There is another way. And the other way is only through Christ. And the other way is only through waiting and, and, and asking for the Holy Spirit to come. Lord, come. Come and invade us, Lord. Come. Bring healing. That my brother who sat here and prayed just now, who's from a South Sudanese uh, background, is someone that I love, admire, and respect. My Mauritian brother who's sitting behind the computer. My half Sri Lankan brother who's sitting behind the camera. My Chinese wife. My Romanian brother sitting be- behind this camera here. And my Sri Lankan brother sit- behind the sound desk. All of us. Do you know what? Do you know what we have in common? We have the blood of Jesus running through our veins. Right? We have the Spirit of God that pulls us together. You think we don't want to, you think we don't demonstrate? We demonstrate, we get upset with one another. We do. But there is something that goes beyond that. Because, you, you, you know, the, the Spirit of God and, and the Holy Spirit that comes upon us to remain with us, that's why Jesus says, you can do greater things than I do because I go to the Father, because He has sent the Comforter, He has fulfilled, He has provided that, and He's become that sacrifice for depravity, for sin, that stuff like what you see on TV, like what George had experienced will not necessarily be a, an experience because this is an outcome of human depravity, friends. 
That is what sin is. And that's what we need to call out. And we now need to call and come before the throne room of God. Humble ourselves and say, Lord. For there is new wine. There is new power. There is new freedom. For the kingdom is here. I lay down my offering. That's my life I laid before you. So what are you going to do? What are you taking out of Pentecost Sunday today? What will you take out of Pentecost Sunday? Will you soak yourself in that oil? Because oil is that of the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic to the Holy Spirit. So you and I may be rigid in our ways. We may be angry. We may be this. We may be all of that. But come into that place and soak yourself in that oil. The oil of the Holy Spirit, that anointing come upon us because His anointing breaks every yoke. So as we come under this, begin to now receive the nearness that comes out of that, that will take you deeper and further. You know, only He is able to make a way, not you and I. Only He. So if you don't know Him, my friend, we want to introduce Jesus to you. We want you to come to that place of saying, Jesus, I understand what this this, this human depravity is about. I, I know I, I've got that sin inside of me. But today, I want to open my heart to you and I want to say, come. I want this rigidness, I want this old wineskin wine of mine to be bathed in your, in, in, in your oil. But I first want to recognize that your blood was shed for me. And that covers my sin. And I thank you now, Jesus, that I'm your child. And now as your child, I want to come and just put myself under this oil of the Holy Spirit. As today, I hear it is Pentecost Sunday where the Holy Spirit was shed abroad. Non-destructive fire came. The fire of God come upon me, come upon my family, come upon my city, come upon this nation. Non-destructive fire, Lord, the fire of God come. In Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for George Floyd's family. We pray for the pain and the people who are hurting, Lord. For those in the ward where George Floyd helped, those who now may feel, is there even really a chance for me? And friends, if you're watching this at all, I want to say yes, there is. Because God is able to turn it around. He's able to. If more people turn to the Lord, there will be less of this.
I know it may sound that simple, but it's, it, it's more than that. It's not just turning. It's consistently keeping in line with His teaching. It's consistently saying that I want to be your disciple, Lord. I want to change. I want to grow. You know, Ephesians 5, I believe, says this, that do not be filled with, with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs. Come to that place. So how do you keep yourself in the oil? Is to be consistent in praise, to be consistent in worship. You know, these parables came out from the context of them talking about fasting and prayer. It was a reference being made. And so let's fast, let's pray, let's do all of that, church, as he calls us into that. God bless you, my friends. And I pray that the Holy Spirit right now dwells in your place in a powerful way and comes upon you in a powerful way. In Jesus' name. The worship team is going to help us and lead us into a time of worship. And, and as we sing this song, we believe God's that way maker. He's that miracle worker. Amen. Thank you.